Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus the Christ. The sermon text for today is the epistle lesson appointed for the fourth Sunday in the season of Pentecost. I read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 6, starting on the, sixth, on the first verse, and then reading through till the 13th. Breaking together with him, then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonment, riot, labors, sleepless nights, hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We're treated as impostors and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children. Widen your hearts also. Thus far the text. I invite you to bow your heads with me in prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you. You bless us with your word, and Lord God, you bless us with faith to receive it. We ask that you open our hearts wide to hear this word, and that you bless us by it in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, our Lord, friends, each one of us has at one moment in our lives chosen to take the easy route more uh, over the more difficult one. I'm not talking about using a roller to paint a wall instead of a brush or choosing to drive a car someplace instead of riding a bicycle. I'm talking about choosing wide open ways that lead to destruction instead of that narrow way of righteousness. I'm talking about having an abortion instead of a child or jumping in a bed with someone instead of, instead of entering into holy matrimony or stealing instead of paying for something by the sweat of your brow. I'm talking about drinking instead of facing your problems or gambling or buying lottery tickets instead of trusting in the sufficiency of God. I'm talking about all the sin that each one of us has ever committed before God, which Satan made easy to justify in our own hearts, the things that have caused us to hang our heads in shame. I'm also talking about something else here, too. I'm talking about all those times where we've denied ourselves that blessed Sabbath's rest, where we've refused to believe in God's holy name to be our salvation and chose instead to try to rescue ourselves, not by... By, by not sinning or by doing all sorts of good things to make up for the sins that we've committed. All these times where we've cried out, I'll do better, God, I promise. Those things, too, are the ways of the world, the ways of the wide path that lead to destruction because they deny the cross. 
and the one who has hung there for our sake. Easy. The choice to sin becomes easy to us all, but so too does the choice to deny Christ's salvation in favor of our own feeble attempts to make reparation with God. And this because the heart which is sinful doesn't want to admit God as either the one who established the law which condemns or the one who has given us the gospel which frees. God doesn't choose these easy routes. Sin is his enemy. And therefore, God stays his holy course. He doesn't change his holy laws to accommodate our foolish desires. He instead chooses to save us from sins, showing his favor to human, humankind by crushing his one and only Son under the burden of our iniquity. And there's no wide plan there, no wide path at all. There's no freedom of choice in this act. God knows that there's only one way to redeem us from our sinful lives. So favoring us sinners, he sentences his Holy One, his one and only Son, to die upon the cross. Now we sinners who gather here together in God's church recognize the benefit of God's favor. With imperfect will and imperfect hearts and imperfect understanding of grace, we gather here in this place, trusting in God's forgiveness. We make our beginning here in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, remembering our baptisms. There in those words, we recall that we became united with our Lord in the likeness of his death and in the likeness of his resurrection. We bow our heads in contrition and confess our sins before God. And then in keeping with the promise God makes over us, we trust that we're completely forgiven of all our sins. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He's mindful that we are but dust. Psalm 103, 11 to 14. In God's absolution, every one of the sins that we've ever committed have been removed from us by God's grace. The God who made us, the God who watched us fall into ruin, heard our cries for mercy and declared us holy by the very narrow path that the blood of his one and only Son took as it trickled down from the cross. The blood shed for you. That's the only way. All the other ways negate the salvific work of Christ. They deny his salvation. Now we've all heard it before. We've all heard people say, surely there must be another way. Surely all the gods of all the other religions out there must be the same God. The same God known by different people of the world at different times in different ways. So as long as you're believing in something, you're destined to go to heaven. That's a wide path lie. It's meant to demean the cross and discredit the truth of the gospel. Many people will notice the similarities between our Ten Commandments and the moral codes of other religions and say they're all the same. The Jews of Paul's time even tried to do that, insisting that those Gentiles who converted to Christianity must be saved in keeping with the Jewish laws. They need to be circumcised. 
But it's not the laws that save. It's not the circumcision of the flesh that saves. It's the circumcision of the heart, the salvation that comes to us by the grace of God through our repentance. And that narrowness, that favor that's extended to us in God's grace, that's extended out to all of humanity. That sets the Christian message completely apart from every other message in every other religion in the world. Hucksters and cons, they'll still try to discredit that message. They'll still try to sell the world on the wide path. They did it in Paul's time, they're going to try to do it in our time too. In Paul's time, they were saying that Paul and his companions were imposters, unknowns, imprisoned, and as good as dead. On the surface, those accusations may have even appeared to have merit because, because that's what they were. Paul and those who were with him were talking about a man who died and rose again from the dead, something unbelievable by worldly standards. To the unconverted Gentiles in Corinth, they were outsiders, foreigners who believed in a God whose name wasn't listed in and amongst the names of the other Roman gods. And beyond all that, they were dying. They were imprisoned and sentenced to death for their beliefs. But here's the truth of the church. The Apostle Paul and those who were with him were well known for their words and their actions. And in speaking the truth, they were very much alive to the glory of God. The world may have seen them as sorrowful, poor individuals with nothing to their names, but in the vastness of their salvation, they were overflowing with joy and making countless numbers of people rich because they brought them the forgiveness they first received in Christ. We, the church, carry on as Paul and his companions carried on in God's favor. We bring Christ to the woman who grieves the baby she aborted. We bring Christ to the one who hangs his shame, uh, hangs his head in shame for overstepping the bonds of marriage. We bring Christ to the one who drinks. We bring Christ to the one who steals and the one who gambles. And we bring him to the broken and the downtrodden. Each one hears the same gospel of forgiveness. And by that gospel knows what it's like to be chosen and loved and favored by God. Because in Christ they are forgiven and the burden of their sins permanently absolved. This proclamation of grace is so clear that it removes all obstructions and barriers between God and man, the last barrier of which is the barrier of fear. Now is the time favorable. Uh, behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The time of ease, the time of false hope in our own righteousness, the time of running from destruction, that time is past. Now is the time for God's favor, for God has chosen each one of us. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. That's the key verse for this week, 2 Corinthians 6.2. God spoke these words first through the prophet Isaiah, and then again through the apostle Paul, that you may know that God who honored his son before the world will likewise honor you. He spoke them to overflow your life and, and the lives of others with his favor. Once again, that's 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in a favorable time, I listened to you, and in a day of salvation, I have helped you. 
May God continue to bless you and be with you as you go out into the world, that his word is proclaimed and his favor known by all the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's pray. Gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, you favor us. You call us your own. You are our Savior. Help us to always realize that. It's a narrow way and not a wide path that brings us our salvation. The only way, the way you saw, that makes us righteous. Bless us, Lord God, also to be uh, proclaimers of that way. While the world sits in fear, while the world is in anguish, help us to reach out to those who are in need. Bless us with your word and bless us in that favor that we might be strong proclaimers of, of your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, your Lord. Amen. And amen.